The following audio is from LifeHouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or at lifehousechurch.org. Freedom. Freedom is worth living for, fighting for, dying for. And today we're seeing that live dead on the world stage. We're seeing the horror, horrors, and the heroics of the fight for freedom, right? And there's a cost to freedom. Freedom is precious. Now, often when we say freedom, what we mean, right, is um, political freedom or democracy or self-determination that comes from the fight for political freedom. And we owe everyone who has served an incredible debt of gratitude for the gift that we celebrate in our nation of freedom, right? And, and those that paid the ultimate price, those families, those individuals, they deserve our greatest gratitude. And uh, certainly in my own life, in our family, as a church, we honor, we celebrate the freedom we experience. It's a global struggle It's a national challenge, right? For the past two years, we've wrestled with what does it mean to be free? What are the boundaries of that freedom? If we live in a nation with, you know, political freedom, with the Bill of Rights, um, what does it mean to have freedom when there are health restrictions, when there are mandates, right? And so we wrestle with what it means to experience and have and enjoy political freedom. But you have to know that there is something beyond political freedom. Now, I disclaimed and said, hey, I'm passionate, incredibly grateful for the political freedom that we experience as a nation and that we believe is valuable for every country. But I I wanna ask you the question, is there something better than global or national freedoms? Because you you can live in an environment of freedom, but not be free. You can live in a community, a state, a nation that values and even legislates freedom, but not actually live free. Think about freedom like, um, you know, a house representing your life. So in your home, you can kind of do whatever you want, whether you live in a single family home, you live on a full-on plantation, I mean, you, you have like a, I mean, you have a mansion with an estate, or you live in, a, in, a, in a, an apartment, you live in a studio apartment. The point is, in your space, you do what you want, right? You can dress how you want, and whether you want to dress at all, you can kind of do what you want, go where you want, you have kind of the access, the freedom in your space, right? But here's what we all actually do in, in our desire for freedom, we unlock the windows and open them. We unlock the doors and we throw them wide open. And what we actually do with our freedom is we let in whatever wants to come in. As a result of letting in whatever wants to come in, we lose and forfeit our freedom. Meaning the things that come in begin to occupy and take control of our lives. And we get chained by the things we let in. Some of you have allowed emotional baggage to come in and strangle your lives. 
Some of you have let fears from your past and thoughts that haunt you come in through the unlocked door of your life and they've come in and they've occupied space and they've made messes that have sullied your home environment. But then something far more devious, mysterious, and dark has crept through the same windows and the same open doors. In the name of freedom, you and I have flung open the doors wide and we've left the windows wide open for spiritual darkness to come into our lives and occupy space. Now, I know the moment I say that, some of you are just weirded out. Honestly, even as I was writing this message and studying for it and reading passages of scripture, I was weirded out. I'm still weirded out standing here talking about it, except that I have just a little bit of experience in this world. I had a roommate when I went off to Bible college, so studying for ministry, and my roommate, who's also studying for ministry, one day, so our freshman year, he comes to me one day, he's like, Patrick, I don't know what world's going on in my life, but the last several nights when I've gone to bed, this weird green, misty, frog-shaped creature has come into, my, into our room and hovers over me and begins to choke me. Now, I don't know. Maybe it's just bad pizza. I mean, he was kind of an odd dude anyway. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's a perfectly reasonable scientific explanation. Maybe, maybe some chemical stuff was a little off. Maybe there's some trauma from the past. Maybe there's some reasons for him to have uh, a wild imagination or even see things that aren't there. Maybe. Or maybe there's something spiritual going on. So here's our tendency. You and I have a tendency to either under-exaggerate or over-exaggerate the existence of spiritual beings. So here's what I want to do. We either obsess or we ignore. So I want to introduce you to a story in the life of Jesus and how he interacted with spiritual beings. In order to set this up, though, let me, let me kind of share with you who wrote it. So his name was Luke. Luke was a physician, which means he had a pretty good grasp on the physical, on the realities of what's going on in the natural, right, regarding medicine and real scientific stuff, at least what they knew in ancient times. He also was a Greek, and so his background, you know, culturally was um, the superstitions of the Greek uh, god and goddess systems. But Luke encountered Christians. He was captivated by what Christians believed and the way they lived. And these weren't just ordinary Christians. These were Christians who had actually known Jesus personally, meaning they were eyewitnesses to the life and teachings of Jesus. And he was so captivated by their life and by their teachings that they were passing on from Jesus that he began to investigate and study the life of Jesus. And he became a follower of Jesus and eventually sat down after his investigation and research and wrote out a two-volume set on the life teachings of Jesus, that's the Gospel of Luke, and then the life of the church, the book of Acts. And in the Gospel of Luke, he, he gives this eyewitness account in the life of Jesus where Jesus had been teaching and the crowds were listening to him. And, and this was his kind of like narrative um, approach to how people view Jesus. It says this in Luke chapter four, verse 32, they were amazed at his teaching 
because his words had authority. Now, this idea of authority is kind of like when you get pulled over and the officer comes up to your car and says, license and registration. They have the legal authority to pull you over and have you give them your license and registration. Hopefully that's not personal for any of you. Hopefully right now that's not triggering anything, like you haven't had a recent experience. But if you have, you know you can't just ignore them. They have authority to pull you over, right? That's a legal authority. And that's what the crowd saw in the life of Jesus, that there was something about him that gave him authority in their lives. His words carried weight. And this is important because of what's about to happen next. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. Now, as I was reading this, I kind of chuckled. Because in my home, we got three little impure things going on. And, you know, they go out and they play in the backyard. And, you know, my boys are like yours. I mean, they like mud and mess. I try to take a good care of my backyard. But they do everything they can to get the black mulch into the green grass. They find water someplace and they just dive in it and they just make mud everywhere. And like a typical home, right? Then they come tromping in the back door and they're impure making messes. And then daddy with authority says, clean up the mess. And they try to ignore me and I have to enforce it, right? So like he's like impure little spirit. But this dude, he's got invisible impure spirits in his life. You can't see them. They just creep in and they make messes. And they muddy things and they mess things up. They cause dysfunction in this guy's life. He doesn't even know what's going on, but he's, there's something controlling him. There's something that got in through the windows and doors. And uh, he cried out at the top of his voice. Now, I don't even want to illustrate this because it would, you know, you, but you can imagine like you've seen these kind of movies. This is some creepy, weird stuff. Some dude with a grovelly, dark voice is yelling, go away. He cried out at the top of his voice. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? He sneered. Now, you notice he's speaking in the plural, which means there's more than one demon, more than one impure spirit in there. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Okay, I gotta, I gotta unpack some things here because, you know, like you're like me a little bit. You're probably either on that like obsessed side or that I want to ignore this side. But most people have this thought that like even if there is this spiritual realm with spiritual beings, um, you have like God and Satan and they're kind of like equal but opposite. You have good and evil, dark and light. And uh, there's a little bit of good in all the bad and there's a little bit of bad in all the good and like it kind of balances itself out in the universe. That's garbage. Let me be really clear with you. There is one God who is all-powerful. Satan is not equal with God. It's really important that you understand this spiritual truth. Satan and God are not equal. Satan is not equal to God. God is sovereign over all the universe. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere at all times. He created all things, including Satan himself. Now, you might say, why would you create Satan? Okay, Satan was created as an angel, a good angel. Satan didn't like being an angel. He wanted to be God. And when rebellion got into his heart, God cast him out of heaven. From that point on, Satan began to wage war against God and all that is good to terrorize you and I and destroy God's good work in the world that we live in. 
But Satan doesn't work alone because Satan is limited. Satan, unlike God, who can be anywhere at all times, Satan is a being who can only be in one place at one time. So if Satan's over there bothering this person, he's certainly not over there bothering this one. So Satan doesn't work alone. Now, he does work through the demonic, right? There's demonic beings, but let's take it a step further. There are two other partners that Satan has in the world that we live in, and that is, first and foremost, the broken world. You and I would agree that the world is not as it should be. It's been broken by spiritual darkness. But it doesn't even need help from Satan. On its own, the systems of the world that we live in are bent against God. So the world is broken. This is why we have disease. This is why we have sickness. This is why we have storms. This is why just bad things happen because we live in a corrupted world. But beyond it being broken, it's corrupted by dark forces. And so the entire system of the world that we live in, our politics, our economy, the media, and it doesn't matter which country you live in, everything about our world is bent against God and all that is good and is headed toward the wrong things. So meaning, just living in the world we live in is gonna always bend you against God. It's gonna always lure you and bait you into doing the wrong thing. But more than just a broken, corrupted world, you and I are corrupted. That's right. Satan actually can use you against yourself. So the second partner that Satan works with is your broken, corrupted instinct. Now, I don't even have to sell this one to you. You know it already. You and I are bent against good and God. We do the wrong thing, and we want to do the wrong thing. I have three little impure spirits in my home that prove to me that they want to do the wrong thing, and they will do the wrong thing nearly every time unless you discipline them and teach them to do the right thing. For whatever reason, you and I are bent toward wrong. You wanna know why? Because there is this corrupted instinct in every one of us, a dis, you have disordered desires, meaning they're out of order. They, they are bent toward wrong. That's called sin. Sin is an instinct in us to go against God and toward what is wrong. But there's also another, a third important spiritual truth, and that is that these demons that work for Satan must submit to Jesus. Now, quick, quick context. In this battle where Satan rebelled against God, there was a, a, a war, but it lasted all about the length of a lightning strike. And in that instant, about a third of the angels of heaven rebelled against God and were cast out with Satan. But the good news is that there's twice as many angels as there are demons. And so if you're seeing angels under every bush and around every corner, you better be seeing twice as many angels. All right, but what you also need to know is that every demon must submit to Jesus, and that's where the rest of our story continues. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. And all the people were amazed and said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Whether you're being haunted by the demons, your mind or your emotions or your, from your past or real spiritual demons, I want you to know that Jesus is different. Both in this time and today, there was this pattern that they, they call it exorcism, right? Maybe you've seen a movie like this. You're, you're into like horror flicks. I don't know. Not my kind of movies. But um, what you see is like this struggle, right? 
And you've even heard it on the news if you've paid attention where like some religious leader tries to cast a demon out of a person and there's like this bizarre battle. I read a story recently where a priest got charged because he was punching a woman who he claimed to be demon possessed in the face multiple times. He wasn't hurting the demon. He was beating her. She didn't deserve to get punched. You know what Jesus does? Jesus is different. He's better. Better than political freedom, better than a bill of rights, Jesus offers something different and better than anything you've experienced before. And this is the note I want you to take. This is something I want you to kind of embed in your heart. Living free in Jesus is better than freedom. Jesus doesn't just create an environment of freedom. Jesus actually sets you free. This demoniac, this person with multiple demons in his life, he was not free. He had an environment of freedom to choose, but every time he chose, he chose the wrong thing because there was something in his life that was controlling his life, manipulating his life, chaining his life to doing what was wrong. In this case, it was very real spiritual demons. In our home, we have kind of a, a nightly ritual where we, we get ready for bed and you know sometimes often we will remember and we'll go through the house and we'll lock the doors and lock the windows especially right now man in the mid-atlantic this is the best time to live right because you can leave your doors and windows wide open we don't have any insects around yet and you can you know it's great weather just man just beautiful right but at night you gotta go around locking up the windows lock closing and locking the doors why so that nothing comes in that we don't want in our house in the middle of the night. And in our case, so that nothing gets out that we don't want getting out. So you gotta lock the windows. And we have like, you know, Laura and I are both originally from New York. And so we got multiple layers of locks. Really, it's trying to create a combination that the boys can't figure out. All right. But here's what the enemy of your life does. Not just the demonic, but emotional stuff. Mental stuff, right? Haunts and fears from your past, they sneak in. And spiritual stuff, spiritual darkness and spiritual beings, they creep in. Because you and I, we leave the windows wide open. We call it freedom. I can do what I want with my life. I can pursue whatever desires I want. And so we throw the door wide open and say, I have the freedom to do that. But what you really did was not exercise your freedom, but give free reign to spiritual darkness that's destroying your life. And when evil first creeps in, it tries to keep a low profile. You don't notice it. It makes messes. It stirs up stuff. It kind of tears stuff apart in your life, but it blames everyone else. So you've been blaming your spouse. You thought it was your kids or your parents. You thought it was your job. You thought it was your mind. You thought it was your emotions, but it wasn't. It was spiritual darkness all along, coming in and wreaking havoc and destroying your home and leaving messes. But eventually, spiritual darkness in your life will always try to up the ante because it wants credit. It doesn't want to stay hidden. Once it starts to get control, then it will show its ugly head and you will start to see it for what it is because its end game is your destruction, your ultimate destruction. It wants to destroy your family, your marriage, your mind, your emotions. It wants to destroy you forever. And that's the ultimate consequence, not just of sin, but of spiritual darkness is a forever ruin far from God. 
Be careful that in the exercise of your freedom to recognize what you're really doing is giving free reign to spiritual darkness. But that's not where God leaves it. In this story, what you notice is Jesus says, be quiet. Now, that's because the demons in this guy are saying, go away from us. Get out. Who do you think you are? Right? And they're like, we know who you are. You're Jesus. and You're, you're, the, you're the holy son of God. And Jesus says, be quiet. Come out. Now, this is important because what this man wanted, but it wasn't him, it was the demons in him. What they wanted was for Jesus to go away. They wanted freedom from Jesus and freedom to do what they wanted. The problem was when they did what they wanted, it was destroying the man. Often you and I will resist the very thing that is best for us. So we push away the hand that's trying to clean the infected wound. We push away the person that cares enough to ask the uncomfortable questions. And we push away from the presence of God. But I want you to know that when you push away from God, God is not offended. You might be resisting God, but God is not resisting you. He invites you to be set free in Jesus. I wanna encourage you that being set free in Jesus is better than any other kind of freedom you can possibly experience. Being set free in Jesus is better than anything you've experienced before. What you experienced before was the freedom to only choose to do the wrong thing. And you noticed a pattern in your life. When you exercised your freedom, you did wrong things. And it felt good for a moment, and then you had to pay the fine. You had to pay the penalty, you had to pay the piper. But what Jesus does is he comes in and he sets you free. Here's how it works. Jesus comes in your life. He's a gentleman and he waits for you to open the door to him. He stands at the door and he knocks. He doesn't just kick in the door. He doesn't just break it. He doesn't climb in through the window. Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart and life and you have an opportunity to open the door to him. And when you welcome him in, demons flee. When you welcome him in, darkness trembles because Jesus doesn't just walk in and start fighting with the demons here's what Jesus did he came from heaven to earth with all authority and all power notice what they said afterward it says that they, they recognize they said he has authority and power he doesn't just carry the badge he has a sidearm to back up his enforcement he doesn't just have the legal right he has the power to follow through and Jesus you know what his legal right and his power was? His death on the cross. Jesus came to earth. He took on a fight with sin in your life. He took on a fight with all the spiritual darkness. And the, the, all the forces of hell came against Jesus on the cross. And when he died, he died once for all. He paid, he took on every blow that Satan and sin had against you. He took on the fight and he died in your place. A death you and I deserved, an eternal judgment you and I were facing in forever. He took it on himself on the cross. And when he died, he died once for all. So anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven. But then Jesus, after his death, he rose again from the dead. And in his resurrection, he became victorious over all powers of sin and darkness and eternal hell. So that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith, you open the door of your life and you say, Jesus, come in my life. What you're receiving is being forgiven and given new and forever life. And when Jesus comes in, there's no struggle. There's no battle because the battle was already won. 
There's no fight in your life left. Because when Jesus comes in, he comes in with victory. He says, this is mine. Your life was bought at a price. Your mortgage was paid in full. You owed a debt you could have never paid. It would have cost you all of eternity. But Jesus paid it in full. And so he comes in and he says, you are made new. You are mine. There is a new owner and a new occupant in this home. He comes in and he changes the locks. He closes the windows and he locks the doors. He says, no, 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 this one's mine. Nothing comes in that I don't allow in. You are new and you are mine and you are bought at a price. And this wasn't just for one man who was possessed by demons. Listen, verse 41, he says, moreover, demons came out of many people. Meaning the moment these demons ran out of that guy, other demons got the news. And they were like, "Uh uh-uh, this is not gonna end well for us. And they started fleeing out of other people. And they're shouting, you are the son of God. But Jesus rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. He didn't need demons telling people about Jesus. He could do that perfectly well on his own. And so they had to run and they had to be quiet. There was no fight. There was no struggle. Jesus said, just get out. In your life, when you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you open the door of your life to Jesus by faith, and God's Spirit comes in and He takes occupation of your home. There is a new owner. Your doors and locks are changed. You are, when Jesus looks at you, He says, You are mine. You are bought at a price. Now, a warning. When you do the wrong thing and you sin and you unlock the door or window and you open it, Demons don't come in. When you believe in Jesus by faith, let me be very clear with you. Demons don't come in. If you believe in Jesus, you don't have a demon inside of you. There is, they're not allowed in his home because you're owned by Jesus himself. But you do give room to evil. Your own sin instinct will rise up and make messes and put things in closets that don't belong there. It'll still leverage your core sin instinct to bent to be bent against God. So here's the key. Repentance closes the window and locks the door, right? You gotta repent. God, forgive me of this sin and the Holy Spirit will come right back into that space and clean up the mess, put things back where they belong and make you better than before. But don't stop there. God wants to give you more than just setting you free. He wants to do more than just clean up the house, clean out, you know, clean out the mess and kick out the demons. Then it says this, right? Verse 35. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and he came out without injuring him. I love it. There's no struggle. There's no injury. When Jesus comes in your life, he doesn't make a bigger mess. He doesn't leave any injury. The injuring is over. You've been injured. You've been hurt. You've experienced pain. You've got the demons in your emotions and in your mind and your fears that haunt you. You got demons from your past and there are real spiritual demons messing around with us. But when Jesus comes in, there's no fight because the victory's already won. When he steps in, he doesn't leave behind any more mess. There's no more injury. He comes in and he begins to clean begins to restore. He begins to rebuild and make you better than before. And when Jesus comes in, better than freedom is living free in Jesus. Better than political freedom. Better than an environment where you 
are where you can have freedom, but you always choose the wrong thing is the freedom that you have in Jesus. Let me explain. Let me show this to you, right? What you have when Jesus comes in is he doesn't just clean up the mess and kick out demons and then leave. He occupies the space and he gives you the power to live free. What does it mean to live free? It means that today, for the very first time, I can choose to do what is right and best. Previously, every time I chose, I only chose wrong. But when Jesus occupies the space of my life, I can choose emotional freedom. I can choose to step away from the mental anguish and stuff that haunts me, and I can invite Jesus into my thinking, and I can begin to choose freedom. I can begin to choose freedom from life-controlling sinful behaviors. I can begin to choose freedom from life-controlling addictions. I can begin to walk in the freedom that comes through faith in Jesus. Today, you can choose to live in the freedom of Jesus. You give him full reign and full control of your life. You invite him in through the front door, and he'll kick everything else out the back door. He'll shut the windows and make sure nothing comes in that doesn't belong in your life. And he'll begin to empower you by his spirit to walk in and live in that freedom. He'll give you the freedom to love. Previously, your life was selfish and focused on you. And love was all about what you get. But when you have freedom through faith in Jesus, he he gives you something to give to others. For the first time, you could forgive others. For the first time, you could begin to share with others. You could begin to contribute to others' lives. You have the kind of love that lifts others up rather than tearing others down. He'll give you the freedom of a future. You are free to live with the confidence that the best is yet to come. God has a future in mind for you. Previously, when your house was occupied by a mess, by demons, you had no future. No hope, no purpose, no significant meaning. But when Jesus takes occupation of your life, he gives you a hope and a bright future. Now you can look ahead to not just tomorrows, but to a forever of tomorrows. You have a future through faith in Jesus. And then finally, here's what happened. If you look at uh, Luke chapter four, verse 36, it says this. And all the people were amazed and news about him, Jesus began to spread. Here's what happens. When your house begins to change, when, the, when your life begins to be transformed by Jesus, he gives you the power to open your life up and invite guests in through the front door. You get to set the boundaries through faith in Jesus. They come in and they begin to see how your life is different. Your life begins to show off the love of God and word about Jesus spreads. You are a living message of the freedom that you have through faith in Jesus. Share it with others who are living bound and chained and trapped in spiritual darkness. Now you have a decision to make today. Whatever's gotten in, whatever messes are in your life, whatever things, whatever impure things are wrecking your life, causing havoc in your life, you can continue to blame others or you can invite Jesus to come in and clean up your life. The first step this. Are you going to open the door of your heart to Jesus? He's knocking. You have a choice whether you're going to open the door of your life to Jesus or not. Some of you, you've invited Jesus in, but you're keeping him out of certain rooms and spaces and closets. He wants to take out the trash. 
He wants to clean up the mess. He wants to set your heart right and give you freedom. So right now, I'm gonna invite all of you, just close your eyes for a moment. Right now, there's some of you in this room. In fact, I'm, I'm confident there are several of you in this room and online. You need to make a decision to say yes to Jesus. You're ready to open the door of your heart and say, Jesus, come in. You're tired of letting other things wreck your life. You're ready to say yes to Jesus by faith. And if that's you, I'm gonna ask you to take a bold step today. I'm gonna invite you to raise your hand in this space. If you're online, you're gonna put up a raised hand emoji and say, I wanna say yes to Jesus right now. I wanna open the door of my heart to him. If that's you, would you raise your hand high? Come on, I see some of you putting your hands up. It's okay, others of you, this is your, you're making that decision. You say, I'm opening my life to Jesus right now. I'm putting my faith in Jesus and I wanna make a declaration of that right now. As you're putting your hand up, we have a team that you're gonna put a card in your hand. So keep your hand up until you get that card. You're gonna take that card and I'm gonna give you some instructions in just a moment. Because we're gonna encourage you to take a bold step of letting us know about this commitment. For others of you, it's time for you to let God clean up the messiness in their life. It's time for you to walk in the freedom that comes through Jesus. So I'm gonna take a moment, I'm gonna pray over you. But as I do that, those of you that we put a card in your hand, there's a little portion of that card, there's part of it you're gonna keep, part of it we want you to fill out. And you can either drop it in the, in the boxes on your way out, or you can bring it to the Raise the Life banner on your way out in the lobby. Now I wanna take a moment, I wanna pray over you. Jesus, thank you that you didn't leave us trapped. You, you didn't just give us an environment of freedom. You set us free. You didn't just create a space where we can make wrong choices. You empowered us to make right choices. You came from heaven to earth to break the power of sin and defeat darkness. You turned on the light to darkness and you made it tremble and run. You defeated sin and you've set us free from eternal judgment. God, today, those who believe in Jesus are being set free, but not just set free. We're invited to live free. And so, God, I pray all across this space and online, God, where addictions would be broken, mindsets would be broken, fears would be released. God, people who are being haunted would be haunted no more. God, that we begin to walk in the freedom that comes through faith in Jesus. And we say this in the power of Jesus' name, in the in the authority of Jesus' name. God, that we are set free to live free in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.